Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. It's going to be a little bit of a split. Going to do the first hour and a little bit of a more family-friendly material. And then the second hour, we're going to talk about differing sex drives. Uh, Opener is about dating app use for people with anxiety or mental health issues. I thought this was kind of awesome because... You know, we live in a very uh, neuroqueer, neurodivergent world, which basically means everyone has different mental health needs. There is no uh, quote unquote correct type of brain to have. We all have diverse needs. And bigger than that, we don't want to be ableist and just assume that everyone has the same capacities or abilities. Something I was advocating a lot for um, in a lot of earlier shows, and I want to remind myself to kind of come back to that, the idea that everyone needs something different. There can be no one rule for everyone. It just doesn't work like that. That's that's uh, very ableist and, and, and really illegitimizing disabilities and different mental and physical needs that people have. Not everyone can make it on time. Not everyone can sit still for the same amount of time. Not everyone can have the same expectations placed upon them in terms of output, workload, focus, concentration, or energy. Everyone is different. We have different bodies, different neurologies. We are coming from different family backgrounds, different traumas. I just think about children in school. Some kids are coming from an abusive family. Some kids are coming from more loving, supportive family. Some kids are coming from an absent uh, caregiver family different expectations and that child themselves have different needs. Someone, a child with a more, what they might call an ADHD brain is not going to be able to sit and focus for long periods of time. That doesn't mean they're a bad student or something's wrong with them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Some kids walk faster. Some kids walk slower. We have different needs. And that's the same thing with adulthood. So everyone needs something different. It cannot be, well, my other child can do this. That's what I expect of the others. It doesn't work that way. That's quite violent. That's quite abusive. And it's not mental health centered. So when I find interesting articles or topics about how can different people, different neurologies and different needs use things like social media, it's worth getting into. So now we drop into dating apps. Um, First thing is put as much information or as little information as you feel comfortable with. Um, And what I I say for people that are maybe, maybe dealing with drug and alcohol issues, trauma histories, you don't have to put that in your profile. (laughs) You don't even have to bring that up on the first couple dates. I'm a big fan of privacy and boundaries and letting people work their way into understanding and learning about deeper, more triggering, fragile, vulnerable parts of who we are. Some people think I need to uh, include that or get that out there right away as a way to get permission or acceptance or to have confidence around it. Don't lead from these weaker parts of yourself. Understand that you are bigger and there's far more to you than some of those identifications. That's why I tell everyone, diagnoses, labels, hold them loosely. They're not who you are. They're an element of who you are. Remember, diagnoses and labels are terms we give to a, to a, a cluster of behaviors. 
That doesn't tell us about the total person. That doesn't tell us who they are in all relationships and in all contexts and in all environments. We grow and we change. We also can be guided by something outside of that. So hold them loosely. Once a fill in the blank, not always a fill in the blank. And to have our identity or label tied to a trauma or some mental health issue isn't a way to move forth a lot of self-worth and self-esteem. And we're also all on those continuums. How borderline are we? How narcissistic are we? How much of a problematic relationship do we have as a drug? Do we have a drugs and alcohol? A lot of that can heal, shift, and change. So be very thoughtful about not tying yourself to that or importantly, leading on your dating apps or even on your dates with those elements. That's a skill set you can take far beyond this topic. But um, you know, put whatever in there you're comfortable with. We don't have to put in all of our access needs, but then for some people, it is an important part of who they are, and that's okay as well. You have to decide what part of yourself you wanna lead with and how you wanna be seen. Kind of when I talked about social media, I was saying what I love about social media is you can learn about someone. It's branding, it tells you what they think is their best parts, what they're leading with, how they wanna be seen. Um, same thing with your bio. So again, right now we're talking about diagnoses, we're talking about identity, we're talking about core self, as we're talking about um, just setting up a dating app. Um, another thing is some people talk a lot about what is it you're looking for? Um, and again, how's that mental health related or for some with anxiety? Well, not everyone has great boundaries and some people are going to get taken off in a way by maybe matching with someone that is of interest and not necessarily grounding themselves in who am I, what is it I'm looking for and what kind of qualities am I looking to bring into my life? Now here's where it gets very anxiety and mental health focused. The piece about the conversations you have and again, what you talk about. Yes, so for some people with more of an uh, anxious attachment style, they just wanna be liked. And so they're gonna be focusing on, does this person like me? And what do I have to say or do to get them to like me? So your work is about not trying to be liked, but being your authentic, honest self and possibly not being liked and being happy and confident in that because that's a sign you're not a match and you shouldn't be going out together. That skill applies to everyone. <laughs> And then there's people that are more avoidant possibly, and you need to give more, follow up on conversations, maybe even assert and start them. Maybe you should be the one to ask someone out. We're always working on changing who we are and not continuing to act out the same patterns and habits. So if you're always the person that's passive and waits for others to do the work, you step in. If you're someone who's always chasing after others and trying to be liked, lean out and lean back a little bit. We're not manipulating, we're not playing games, but we're trying new behaviors. And if we're always anxious, we take risks. Right, so we're using these as a way to kind of work through our stuff. All right, we'll come back, we'll talk more about this. If you got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be checking that out later in the show, and then we are channelq.com is where you want to go for past episodes of the show. But otherwise, y'all, you just got to stick around and not go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we're back and we're talking about dating mental health apps how they all intersect but really talk about how people with diverse uh neurologies and, and and mental health uh, can use these differently. This applies to everyone, though. Um, we all have different needs. We're talking about just the information you use, blah, blah, blah. But I thought what was really important is, as a therapist, I'm always about people pushing on their edges, stepping into their anxiety, using different things as vehicles for growth. If you're someone who's anxiously attached and you're always trying to be liked, you have so much fear of being abandoned, your work is going to be as authentic as possible. That's going to be so vulnerable. You're not trying to be liked. You're trying to be yourself. And if you're not liked as a result of yourself, that's okay. That just means you're not compatible and you want to actually know that. For the more avoidant people, lean in instead of leaning out. Assert, start the conversation, keep the conversation going. Maybe be the first one to say, let's take this offline. Let's actually meet up. Lean in more. If you're someone who's anxious, take those risks. Ask yourself, what is the probability of what I'm anxious about? How likely is it that that will happen? How bad is it? Is it as catastrophic as I'm thinking it is? If you're someone who's maybe a little more depressed and insecure, again, lean in and act as if. Be, be as confident as you hope you could be. Be behaviorally active. Set things up. Pursue someone. It's okay to feel the way you're feeling. Anxious, avoidant, anxious, depressed, but we don't have to act or live from it. Let it be in the back seat of the car. Let a different part of you drive that car. That's mental health. Making room for all of our feelings and emotions, but not being guided by them. We're not being mood dependent and just reactive. We're realizing I can have a feeling, but I can actually be acting behaviorally from a different part of me. The values and goals that I'm setting. I can have low self-esteem, be anxiously attached or avoidant, and still be moving forward in a different way. In fact, that's how change occurs. I love that. Um, I love this as well. Don't don't be afraid to walk away from things if they're not feeling comfortable or good for you. Some people are a little too dependent or codependent. I don't use that word, but everyone in culture loves the word codependent. I frame it very differently. Um, but more importantly, for those, again, that are always trying to stay with something and they don't know how to leave when it's time, take those chances, take those risks. 
Um, I like this idea also, I was looking at the articles again, how dating apps can be used by people with different mental health issues, uh, applicable to all of us. And one of them was talking about speed. Some people move fast, some people move very slow. Just because someone's asking you out doesn't necessarily mean you are ready to meet up with them. I've been on apps and I've had people wanting to meet up right away and I'm like, I actually don't know anything about you. And for me, emotional and psychological compatibility is important and I don't wanna go sit at a meal or for coffee if I haven't at least, sp at least spent some time chatting beforehand to really understand if you're someone I'd wanna kind of share that space with. You're attractive and hot, but that's not enough. So what's the message in that? Want more than just chemistry. I want everyone to want more than just an attractive face. What is conversation like? Are there thing, is the conversation moving smoothly? It's not about commonalities or differences. It's just about how you relate to those commonalities and differences because both are always gonna emerge. Um, but people over-assess some of those things. It's okay if some of those differences are there. Um, some other interesting things that came up is letting people know where you're going. I just think that's more about safety. Uh, managing dating expectations. Um, you know, your success on one date doesn't speak to the future uh, of what's possible or who else exists out in the world. So be very thoughtful about that. Sometimes we globalize. Um, we use a lot of um, inductive reasoning, which means we take one event and we apply it to everything. We universalize it. Well, that's what happened last week. So I'm going to assume that that's always how it will be. And that's not how it goes. <laughs> we can't apply things like that. And that's why your anxiety or depression, again, are going to be based on your historical experiences and our brain is all about predicting and it's very biased and it takes the past and it pushes it forward. So we want to, we want to be really grounded in the reality, which tells us that we don't know. We don't know what's coming. We don't know what's ahead. And our backstory doesn't promise what we're moving towards. And so you always have to stay open and manage those expectations. I tell people when they're applying for a job, just like when they're dating, expect 10 to 12 dates or job interviews before you maybe land something that's right for you. It should be a long and complex process. I would be nervous if it wasn't. I would think something something bad or wrong was happening if every time you logged on or went out or went on a job interview, everything felt ideal and perfect. Nothing in the world works like that. And so again, this is where it's just really good mental health skills, which is we don't know what future experiences are going to bring, but if you're anxious, you will tend to have, you will tend to catastrophize and you will tend to amp up the probability of something. So you have to really check that. Depression, you will have a negative perspective on self, future, and others. So you will expect the worst and no matter what happens, you'll translate it as a negative message about you and others and the future. So keep that in check and understand that, call that out. And also you're gonna be less behaviorally active. So you're gonna have to push yourself forward. That's why it's important if we're struggling with something mental health wise to know what the work is as a result of what it is we're struggling with. Depression isn't the cause of anything. Depression is a term we give for a cluster of symptoms that doesn't tell us about the person or what's possible. We can feel depressed or anxious and still be moving towards our goals based on what our values are and the person we want to be in those moments. So focus on that. Let the feelings just be there and say, who do I want to be in these moments? What are my goals and how can I move towards that? General, general mental health stuff. Um, Another thing that came up that was kind of interesting is this whole idea of being more upfront about your feelings. Um, and that's really good for people that are more avoidant, even people that are more anxious, even people that are more depressed, because it's a way for us to still move towards. And our work is always dismantling the obstacles that we have control over and that we set up that block us from 
having the kind of life we want. Mental health isn't about the removal of difficult feelings. It's about trying to create the kind of life we want while still often having those difficult feelings. But our culture has trained us to think if there's pain, find a med to get it away. Uh, find a med to get rid of it and, and make it go away. If we're depressed or anxious, take a pill and make it go away. And yes, there's a place for that. But that's going to be a part of life. And we have to learn how to still be in the world as those things come and go, because even medications don't completely remove those things. They help us be more productive while those things are happening. Um, all right, we're going to come back and talk more about this and we'll be doing some DMs. So if you've got a question or a topic for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, y'all stick around and don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion of how to not let your mental health get in the way of your dating or relational goals. Feel the way you feel, do it anyway. It is not about waiting until you resolve your anxiety, your depression, your attachment issues until you start dating. Why? Because all those issues are gonna wait for you. They're going to come back up the minute you step into those relational dynamics. That is a part of it. You can be feeling what you're feeling and working on it while also trying to learn how to live in the world. Depression's gonna come back. Anxiety's gonna come back. Low self-esteem will always be with us. Your anxious attachment style, always gonna be managing that. Your avoidant attachment style, always gonna be managing that. Learn how to still be in the dating and relational world as those things are happening. So that's what we're talking about. <laughs> we're setting boundaries. We're working on being more vulnerable. We're asking for our needs to be met. We are not leaning out because of these mental health issues. Um, I thought this one was really great too. Uh, get yourself in the right headspace before dates. That's an important tactic for everyone. Listen to the kind of music that puts you in the mind state that you want to be in. Talk to yourself. Self-talk is so powerful. Talk yourself into the right headspace. Also remind yourself that there is no bad outcome. If the date doesn't go well, that's a positive outcome. That means you took the time and energy to find out if you're a match and you're not. And most of, the, most of your dates shouldn't be matches. That's okay. That just means you're in the process. So when a friend or a patient tells me I'm going on a lot of bad dates, I'm like, awesome. You're that much closer to the right one. The more job applications you send, the more interviews you go on, the closer you get to the job you want. But they're not all for you. And we have to be able to acknowledge that. Not every job is for you. Not every date is for you. Even if we really, really, really want it. And so if failure is actually a success. Yes, we went, we tried, we weren't a match. We only know that if you're showing up and being your authentic self. But if you have depression, anxiety, an anxious attachment style, you're going to want to really go in there sometimes wanting to just be liked. We're going to go in there presenting a false self that sets you up for failure. We can then never know how it went, but go in, in the right headspace. See, there's, this is just here for fun. There's no bad outcome. There is no such thing as failure. I just have to show up and be myself, wear the things I like to wear, talk about the things that are honest for who I am and what's important to me and what I enjoy and how I live in the world. And it's no deeper than that. It doesn't have to go any certain way. Same thing like with sexuality. There is no goal. There is no important or necessary outcome. We're just here to connect and have some fun and enjoy some new experiences. Don't make it that deep. And expect it to be weird. Dates are weird. Meeting people's weird. It's two different people that don't know each other trying to come together and see if something's possible and assess the other and assess themselves. Everyone feels a little anxious and a little off. You don't have to be your best, which is often why I tell people you want to maybe if interested to go out with someone more than once. When in doubt, go back out because first time people are a little nervous. Second time they calm down a little bit. And by the third date, hopefully it's more of their honest, true self that they're bringing forward. But again, we're talking more about people with some mental health issues and that's absolutely going to be the case. They might need more time and familiarity. 
it's got a little more intensity. There's a little bit more nerves. But remember, how one date goes doesn't speak to how other dates will go. How that one person who showed up on the date went or felt doesn't speak to what else is possible or what the future holds. That's called being in reality. It's called reality testing. One event doesn't speak to other events. That's the wrong kind of reasoning. We want to use deductive reasoning, which is we don't take one event and globalize it. We actually see everything as its own specific thing, and we stay open to what's possible. But we do that by entering with that right headspace. We do that by being our true selves. We do that by moving at the speed that makes sense to us. And we don't have conversations we don't want to be a part of. That's also another really important one for people with mental health. If you are a non-drinker for whatever reason, because you have a problematic relationship or addiction history, and you say, I don't drink, and they say, why? You don't have to answer. Even if not answering is an answer, you're still, you're still setting boundaries and you're still assessing whether or not they can handle boundaries. So you might say something like, hey, we'll talk about that another time, or it's not something that's right for me. You, and so my point is you don't have to have conversations you're not prepared to have. People anxiously might ask personal questions that they haven't earned the trust or right to, or they just don't have awesome boundaries, or they're used to people just openly disclosing. But you get to move at your pace based on what's feeling good for you because you're not there to be liked. You're just there to be known. You're just there to have an experience. So there's no wrong way to do that. And so remind yourself that it's always going to be about the self-talk the meaning you're placing on something, your expectation, the framework you're applying. So just be very thoughtful about that. Um, oh, Rachel, when we come back, uh, gonna do some DMs. DMs always come from our Loveline IG page. So if you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page or a topic, maybe there's a topic you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, hit again. Always love hearing from you. Again, DMs on our Loveline IG page. And then past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it because we need to unlearn and relearn. It's all about the repetition because the quality of your life is based on the quality of your practice. And so we have to be listening to the right things that kind of guide us in that way. So wearechannelq.com is where you want to go and check out some of the other shows over there. And that's what I think is awesome about podcasting is we can go back, we can re-listen, we can take notes, we can take it with us. Um, I do some of my best thinking at the gym. That's when I listen to all that stuff. I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. I tend to just do a lot of thinking at the gym with my music. But when I do listen to them, it's usually there when I'm hiking. Um, I'm so thankful for technology, which is what I was talking about a lot on the other show. Anyway, y'all stick around. Don't go anywhere. DM's coming up next. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Audis Odyssey. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. All right, we're back. And now it's time to slide into those DM's. Sliding into the DM's. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris. I'm noticing that I'm really having less energy for a lot of things lately. Feels like leaving the house is hard. I've been ordering my food more and more, not responding to my friends, but I feel left out when I see them on social media. I don't really know if it's depression or anxiety. What is going on? Well, you know, again, a lot of people are talking about this. In fact, my patients in my practice are often feeling very alone in this fatigue or exhaustion. And what I'm talking to them about, um, is the fact that we want to make room for whatever we're struggling with and going through, but at the same time, we want to operate from a different part of ourselves. Again, it's the mental health piece of letting your emotions exist. We're not denying them, but we're also not amplifying them. We're letting them be. They're a passenger. They're in the passenger seat. We're in the uh, driving seat. 
and we acknowledge our feelings, but we aren't guided by them because we don't want to act on our anger. We don't always want to act on our sadness or depression or jealousy. So again, we're not denying it, but we're also not amplifying it. We're not acting mood dependent. And that's a skill that we need to learn. People aren't even aware of that. They think that, you know, our moods hold us back. They are if we fuse with them, but we can actually be operating from a different part of ourselves, which is the part of ourselves that is goal oriented. If you're in a great mood, go to the food store. If you're in a bad mood, still go to the grocery store. And that's kind of how we're trying to operate because when we slip into depression, we tend to do more what we call behavioral deactivation, which is leaning away from uh, participation out in the world, which makes us feel better. So I would say make plans and participate in the world even while still feeling bad. Please don't think that you have to feel better in order to re-engage the world. Continue to anyway. Um, that's the work for all of us. Don't let your mood dictate what happens. So set some social goals and still kind of get out there and participate. Um, we got another one. It says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Alyssa and I'm almost 35 years old. I feel like dating at this age is impossible. Oh, Alyssa, you've got a lifetime ahead of you. You might have many, many more long-term relationships. Not everyone, you know, the first couple long-term ones don't always become more permanent. You said either the people I meet are already divorced with kids, which, wait, why is that bad? I want to just pause right there. So we've all been in prior relationships, whether it was marriage or not, shouldn't be something that stigmatizes us. Some people have been married and divorced five times, which means they've been in five prior relationships. Just because they were married shouldn't change the way you see them. Had they been in five prior relationships where they didn't get married, would you be stigmatizing them? No. Why? Because they tried to take it to a next level and it didn't work out. Is there something then wrong with them? We've all been in multiple relationships. We don't want to problematize the fact that they were married. Um, and then you said, or they have crazy time consuming jobs. Yes. A lot of people in the 35 year old age bracket are forced, I'm sorry, are more focused on career and second phase of life things. What is my identity? What am I doing with my time? Am I living a life of purpose and meaning? But if you're important to them, they'll make time for you. Um, you have to though earn the right to that time. No one should initially necessarily make you a priority when they're first getting to know you. I think your expectations are too high. I think you're getting in your own way. You're unwilling to date people that have been in prior relationships. That's ridiculous. And you don't want to take the time to you know build yourself into someone's life. You should be dating multiple people at the same time. We date to decide who we have a relationship with. Dating isn't the relationship. And uh, over the course of a couple months, as you're dating multiple people, you decide if any of them are someone you should be in a more serious relationship with. So I think you're getting in your own way. But back to your question, you said, I guess my question is at what age is not, at what age is it not okay to keep dating? What? Keep dating for the rest of your life. Some people become divorced, re-enter the dating world, become widowed at 40, 50, 60, 70, and they get back into dating. There's never a time when it's too old to step into a new career, to step into dating, to shift the course of your life. I don't, wow. Yeah, keep listening to the show. You've really internalized a lot of problematic um, concepts and perspectives. There's no age at which you should give up on anything. In your 40s, you still want to have love. In your 50s, you still maybe want to have love. In your 60s and 70s, you still want to have love and maybe have an active sex life. That's a beautiful thing. Um, you never know what's ahead or, or who you're going to encounter. So yeah, you, you have a lot of ageism to undo. You're applying it to yourself by thinking 35 that there's some limit on your life. You're stigmatizing people that have been in prior relationships or married. Um, work on challenging that. Uh, you, you're getting in your own way and our work is about dismantling the obstacles that we throw in front of our own lives. All right, we'll be back. Uh, you got a DM for us. Drop the DMs in our DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of the show is always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, share. 
We'll be back, y'all. So uh, please stick around. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and on Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We're back and uh, moving into a different topic, talking about how to deal with differing sex drives. So it's kind of like when we talk about uh, losing the spark. And I always say, first and foremost, don't panic. (laughs) It doesn't have to mean a problem. Having said that, ideally, we don't form long-term committed monogamous relationships with people unless we have a compatible sexuality, which is why I'm always advocating for having sex before we make any kind of commitment. Yes, it's awesome to go on a coffee date and to go hiking and learn about your favorite movies and where you like to go on vacation. But until we have sex, we can't really fully assess the strength and compatibility of, of partners. Uh, sex is where we learn about our body esteem, our self-esteem, communication, trauma, boundaries, how much intimacy we want and closeness we can tolerate. It's all in there. It's a beautiful thing. It's nothing to be afraid of. And in fact, it's a sign that you are interested in partnership. And after you have sex, if you still want to hang out, what a great sign. Delaying sex as a way to keep something going that might end otherwise is a failing theory. So don't panic if your sex drives are different. Inherently, that's going to happen to some extent anyway. Not everyone's going to want the same kind of sex at the same place, in the same way, at the same time. It's going to ebb and flow. So healthy relationships allow for some of that shifting and changing. So how do we deal with differing sex drives? First off, do something. There's a powerful piece in relational therapy about accepting bids from your partner. If your bar- a partner makes a bid for your attention or for connection, put your freaking phone down. Pause the television. Human beings always come first. It's inappropriate to say, oh, I'm on my TikTok. Put your TikTok down. That's a person. That's your primary partner. Put them first. Sex is the same way. You have to offer something. You cannot outwardly reject your partner when they try to make a move for sexual connection. Even if it was just about them wanting pleasure and getting off, there's nothing wrong with that. But generally, sometimes it's about wanting closeness, bonding, fun together, shared experience. So it's okay if you're not down for sex but you have to offer something erotic or romantic. You don't want to just say no. Then the partner will stop coming to you and that sexuality will get taken elsewhere. If you're going to be in a monogamous committed relationship, you have to be open to romance, sexuality, and sensuality. Otherwise, don't choose monogamy or don't choose that partner. So you want to say, oh, honey, I'm not down for any penetration, but let's do oral sex. Honey, I'm not really interested in penetration or oral sex. Let's just masturbate together. Honey, I'm not interested in taking my clothes off and being engaged, but I will engage you. I'll use a toy on you. Honey, I'm not interested in anything erotic. Let's be romantic and just sit here and cuddle. Honey, I'm not interested in something romantic. I'll massage you. Let's hold hands. Let's go for a walk. Or, hey, you know what? I wanted to finish this movie. How about in an hour? That sounds really fun. I'll meet you upstairs and we'll have some sex. You have to say something. You don't want to just be no. Because that's rejecting. It shames your partner's sexuality. And they should be attracted to you. They should be initiating sex with you. You are their primary sex partner. That's the deal. If you're shaming them for it, you have work to do. Why are you shaming them? Why do you not want to have sex with your primary partner? Why are you in a monogamous relationship with someone you don't enjoy erotically? What are you doing? We should be open to that in some form. So offer something in any domain. It can be sexual, erotic, romantic, or sensual, but you have to provide some form of connection because your partner's making a bid for your attention and to connect with you. Again, we don't want to create a dynamic where our partner feels like it's not safe to come to us because we um, shame what is a healthy thing, them wanting and desiring us. That is the point. That is the deal. So remember that. Um, again, you want to find some way to, to engage in that connection. 
Now, this also brings us up to another topic that comes up with a lot of same-sex couples, which is I'm a top, you're a top, we're both bottoms. Those are not real things. No one is a top or a top only. That it, What you're really saying is I'm most comfortable topping. I prefer to top, but we are all fluid and flexible and should lean into that. It hurts my heart when someone won't be with someone else because they're quote-unquote sexually incompatible because we somehow overly buy into these positions which are very arbitrary and are really just about comfort and preferences and what we're familiar with. Learn how to be bigger and more than that. Learn how to be flexible and step outside of that. An act of trust and care is doing things sometimes that we don't ideally want to do that are both legal and safe in service of our pleasure, the pleasure of our partner. So I want more willingness, 100%. There should be no sex acts that are off the table if they're not tied to something trauma, painful, or problematic. I want our limits to be challenged and expanded upon. That, again, is your partner. That is intimacy building. This should be the person we explore those edges with. We don't want to have what I've talked on the show many, 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 many times about, which is leftover sex, where we take off what makes you comfortable, take off the table what makes me comfortable, we just do what's left over, which sounds really boring and limited, and then we wonder why we don't really enjoy sex together as a couple. So differing sex drives is part of life. You you know, you're going to have different movie tastes. You're going to have different ideas in what where you vacation. You're going to have different ideas of how much time to spend with family. And you manage that. And all the outcomes should be mutually beneficial. So it should be something that everyone walks away feeling cared for or feeling successful around. Because remember, how you go about these issues is as important as solving them. And as a couple, you want to be strengthened and turning towards, not turning against each other. This isn't anything anyone should be mad at the other for. So there's good relational skills built into this. How do we as a couple manage difficult times? Like differing sex, differing sex drives, differing drives around how much we travel, differing drives around how much we go out and do, differing drives around whatever fill in the blank. So this is a global skill set every couple needs to have, you know, abilities around. Um, all right, we're going to come back. We'll talk more about this, and later we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Otherwise, y'all stick around. We got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about how to deal with differing sex drives. And, you know, remember, it's not just about differing sex drives, it's about different sexualities, and everyone will have that. And remember, our sex our sexualities, like our sex drives, should shift and change. What was isn't what will always be. What was with other partners should be different with every new partner, even each current partner could change based on a thousand things, how we feel about our body, how we feel about sex in general, how we feel about our partner. And so um, always be open to who you are now. Always be open to ebbing and flowing and changing. And remember, differing sex drives isn't always about how often. It can be about what we're doing when we're having sex. It can be about um, other pieces and context within that. So I don't want to just frame it as, as long as you like the same amount all's well, because there's so much more to it. It's so much more complex than that. Uh, but we don't want to panic. And I always want to point out that how you go about dealing with this issue, like every other couple's a relational issue, is more important actually than just solving the specific thing we're working on. How are you as a unit managing this difficulty? That matters more. So keep an eye on that. Are we you know, harming each other as we're solving this issue? Are we being loving and caring and turning towards as we're solving this issue? That matters more because there's always going to be a new issue. That's called life. That's called being in a relationship to anyone. And you have to be good at resolving and dealing with things. So this is just an intervention on your marriage. This is a site of work, and this is a way you learn more about each other. Um, But we don't want to panic. It doesn't mean something's wrong. There's always going to be differences to work through. 
I am a big fan of sometimes us carving out space. We can't expect it to just happen in the midst of busy days, especially when a lot of our energy is used up at the, the beginning of the day. Um, we want to have openness and I want people to remember often what we say is like, I only like sex at night. Correct. You said it correctly. You prefer, you only tend to like, but that doesn't mean you can't like it in the morning. That doesn't mean it can't happen ever in the morning. That doesn't mean it's bad, painful or wrong. If it happens in the morning, we want to hold our preferences lightly. We, we approach them often as though it's a real solid thing. No, they are preferences. They are choices. They are familiarities. They are habits. They are patterns. Hold it lightly. Just because you like it more at night doesn't mean it can't happen ever during the day. <laughs> like we, we get real tense and we fuse and we get very rigid. A lot of our trauma comes up when we talk about these topics. So yes, yeah, sometimes we have to do it our partner's way. I think there's something really beautiful in saying, let me do it the way my partner prefers it. Let me learn how to be more adaptive and flexible. Those are qualities that are part of mental health and also sexual health. Um, <clears throat> but sometimes we schedule it. Sometimes we schedule it. And, and, and that's so that our partner feels cared for. That's so that we know it's going to happen. There's nothing wrong with that. It's the act and intention that means more. Um, what are some other ways? Also asking, is it the sex that we're having? Is it worth wanting? Because sometimes it's not a matter of different sex drives or interest in different sex acts. Sometimes it's just that the sex we're having isn't worth wanting. And that's really what I'm not excited about is what we do. It's not the partner, or maybe it is the partner. And it isn't that you have different sex drives. It's that you no longer are, are in love with your partner. You're no longer attracted to them, or maybe you never were. What does that mean for you? And so there's deeper work that, that, that comes out of that. Don't just bury your head in the sand and just label it as we have different sex drives and it's just going to always be a struggle. Say, let's unearth and really talk about what's driving it and what's possible. And we want to be very thoughtful about who we identify as the you know patient, the identified patient, who the problem is. The person with the lower sex drive isn't the problem. The person with the higher sex drive isn't the problem. There's just a difference. And that's why I always say, you know, how you go about managing this and the empathy you bring in is important. For some couples, it's also about redefining what the word sex means. I, I say this to everyone I work with, and I say it on the show as often as I remember to, which is sex is more than penetration. In fact, as we get older and our bodies ebb and flow and change, that's going to be less doable because healthy erections and healthy penises don't operate the way they used to. That's not a disorder. That's part of a healthy aging body. And we get, then have to rely upon the erections we can get when we can get them as long as we can and using other things, fingers, toys, tongues. So again, step outside this idea that sex is always about orgasm and penetration. It's not. And sometimes that's the problem because you're not interested in that because it's not always possible. Often the prep time, depending on what kind of penetrative sex we're talking about, front or back, can sometimes take more time than people want to put into it. Great. Sex is far bigger than that. Sex is just about coming together. So really, really, really address that. Like what, what, is, what is this sex that we're even talking about? Are we on the same page? It's like when I did a whole show on monogamy and saying to your partner, are we still monogamous? What does monogamy mean for us? Do we need to update that monogamy? How has that been going for you? Sex is the same thing. Are we talking about the same thing? <laughs> Have we even explored all the different ways we can be sexual? Is the sex we're having even worth wanting and trying to have? If you can't talk about those things, I'm worried about your ability to talk about other difficult topics. And then we move into the idea that it's also gotta be about quality. There is no right amount of sex to have, and the number that feels good to you should change, but it's the quality. We're not just doing it to do it to check a box. We're not just doing it to check a box and say we're a good couple, we're a healthy couple. What does it feel like when you're doing it? 
apply that framework before, during, and after. How do you feel when you think about doing it with your partner? How do you feel while you're doing it? And how do you feel after you've done it? I always tell people to apply that to every scenario to decide who and what should be in their life. Your job. How do you feel when you're on your way to work? How do you feel while at work? And how do you feel on the way home from work? If the answer is bad to all those things, please find a new job. Your job is not healthy for your mental health. Sex and dating should be the same thing. Friends as well. Family members. How do you feel when you're on your way to see a family member or they're calling? How do you feel while with them? How do you feel when leaving that holiday event with them? If it's always bad, change the way you're relating to them or maybe it's time to stop going. Sex is the same way. And this is why sex therapy is also relational therapy. It's far more than just doing it. The goal isn't just to do it to get it done. The goal is to understand ourselves and our partners. Do we have to advocate? Do we have to set boundaries? What do we have to assert? What do we have to say yes to? What do we have to say no to? Yeah, there's so much in it. And so that's why I love this work. So it's also about the quality. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, um, hit this more, and then we'll be doing uh, some DMs. So if you got a DM, drop in the DMs on our Loveland IG page. You know the drill, questions, topics, things you want to hit, circle back, drop deeper into, and past episodes of the show. So you can go back and re-listen. It's over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline, and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Otherwise, stick around. we got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back. And uh, talking about how to deal with different sex drives. Don't panic. <laughs> don't turn on each other don't fight about it stay soft be loving turn towards hey honey let's talk about this together together let's approach this issue over there this issue of our sex drives there's no right amount of sex to have there's no normal we don't have a goal we just want to move back into joy pleasure and fun and connection there's no right way to do it how do you feel this is you this is me scripting it for you hey honey how do you feel about the sex we've had hey honey why do you think we haven't wanted more of it do you enjoy what we do how do you feel before during and after get that conversation going we have to be able to have these conversations don't be afraid of what comes out of it just like when i tell people to talk about monogamy what's that mean to you how's that been going what do we need to change this is one of those important conversations um, <clears throat> I love this. There's a study done that showed people think that everyone else is having more sex than they are not shocked or surprised. Everyone's thinking what they see on social media is real life. Those cute couples. They're always in love. They're touching each other. Some people I say to them, you're watching too much porn. That's not what it looks like. That's not what they're doing. That's not how often they're doing it. Stop looking at people's Twitters and only fans. Those are people that are doing that for work or they're hypersexual. That's not what the, the rest of the world's necessarily doing. It doesn't matter what you did with your last partner or your last relationship or when you were younger. We're different with every partner. In fact, we're different often with the same partner. So again, it's just about how's it been feeling? Are we enjoying it? How can we get back to enjoying it more? It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter where. It's like I always say about dates, it's just about time together. It shouldn't matter where you're going, how much time or money is put into it. Let that go, that's ego. It's ego if you think there's a right amount of sex to have and a right way to do it. Sex also isn't always even penetration. <laughs> it's broader than that. Be bigger than that. Focus on the quality. How are we feeling about what we're doing? So again, start by talking about it. Also start to prioritize it. 
That's also how we work on bringing it back. So it's a little bit of a hybrid. We talked on another show about how to bring the spark back, and now we're talking about how to deal with different sex drives. And they're often very similar. The person with the lower desire has to be more willing to have sex. The person with the higher desire has to be willing to, to have less sex or to maybe have more solo sex and masturbate more. Thank God for masturbation and porn. You get to have an autonomous private sex life with yourself that doesn't have to involve your partner where they're not interested. So I want the higher partner to not pressure, to not personalize. I want the lower desire to be willing to provide something and to be more willing to be engaged. I want both of you to talk about what it means and why it's important to you. I want you to fold more pleasure into your relationship in general. Um, sexual intercourse. Another study showed lasts an average of five minutes. <laughs> That's good and bad. <laughs> You know, it's not, it's good if people don't have a lot of time, it's bad because people aren't necessarily just focusing on enjoying, letting time fly by, exploring each other. I mean, that's what's so wild about all this is everyone's just trying to be normal. Um, I'd said that in an interview, I said, everyone that's coming in, often the question is, are we normal? Um, and you also have to ask yourself maybe why, why, for those that are lower desiring, you're not bad, you're not broken, you're not wrong, but ask yourself what that's about because the higher desiring partner is going to be the one who is always, always down. And the person with a lower desire for anything is always going to be the one in control. The person who likes to see less movies is going to determine how often we see movies. The person who likes to travel less is going to have more impact on how often we travel because they're always going to be kind of recalibrating the higher desiring partner. And so you both want to be more like the other. The higher desire has to cool down a little bit, find joy, pleasure, and connection in some non-sexual means, and also be more willing to engage in some more solo sexuality. And the lower desire has to be more like their higher desiring partner, be more open, be willing to try things, be willing to offer something. So you both have to work on being more like the other. Neither's right, neither's wrong, we're in this together. And so a warning to those that are not in longer term committed relationships, this is why we have sex. This is why sex is a part of dating and courtship to assess what are we like as a couple with sex? Yes, it's going to ebb and flow and change. And how it is in the beginning is not in any way a template for how it will always be, but we can get a little bit of a sense. It's a good starting point. It doesn't speak to necessarily what's coming, but it does give us a little bit of a sense of how workable we are how adaptable and flexible we are. And that's an important thing to remember and to weigh in on. <clears throat> We're always assessing those pieces. You wanna find partners that are workable, open to doing the work, open to dealing with differences and conflict well. And this is one of those topics around which that happens. So again, this topic really highlights where some of our work is and where our work is as a couple and as partners. So see it as such. This doesn't have to be a deal breaker if we can be workable and and, and do what it is that it kind of takes. So. Oy. That's how everything is though. You know, relationships are hard. Single life is easier because our stuff isn't there. We're not up against ourselves. We step into a relationship and it's a mirror being held up showing us where our work is. It sits there and waits for us. So how we show up to that matters. Um, all right, so coming up next, we're gonna be doing some uh, DMs. Questions, topics, drop them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always con always anonymous, always confidential. Helping others as you're helping yourself. Someone most likely is wondering the same thing. So put those questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of good stuff. Take me on a journey with you. Um, otherwise, stick around because we got a whole lot more to come. So don't you go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right, let's see. Let's see. These DMs come from our Loveline IG page. Hey, Dr. Chris, is holiday anxiety a thing? Of course, anxiety can uh, be in existence around anything. Anxiety is about fear of uh, the probability of something happening, the catastrophe that we imagine it might be, the lack of connection or understanding of possible resources. Um, Depending if it's future-oriented, then we have worry. If it's historical, it's more rumination. It can be generalized, socially specific, contextual. God bless it. It's a thing we have with humans. You know, animals are just very responsive to a current stimuli in the environment. We're us. We're meaning-making machines, and that gets in our own way. All right. Anyway, you said it's holiday anxiety a thing, of course. And that's because some people are going home to traumatic families, to people that, you know, have trigger and you know their eating disorder or you know their recovery around drugs and alcohol i mean woof all, to, all, all, all sorts of stuff come with the holidays loneliness singledom uh financial worries we can't get to where we want to be it's a whole lot that's what breaks my heart holidays are supposed to be fun but we've cranked them up into this whole thing where there's an expectation on spending money and giving gifts flying to you know home and dressing up and being around people that might have been you know problematic in your life it was supposed to be fun. It still should be fun. It shouldn't be that deep. We should go where we feel comfortable going. We should stay as long as we feel comfortable staying. There, we got to get rid of these expectations. It's so fascinating how how uh, tyrannical tradition can be. And it's like, who whose needs are we serving? People that are no longer here who set something in place? Let's update everything. Let's remember what it is. I say that all the time about weddings. It's supposed to be fun. It's a party. Calm down. Anyway, holiday anxiety a thing? Sure is. You said, I'm feeling very anxious. I always have, every holiday. I know there's a birthday anxiety, but is there something around the holidays as well? Sure is. Sure is. Again, I talked about all the possible triggers that can come up around the holidays. Um, for, you know, bless those that are privileged enough to have a beautiful, beautiful dynamic around the holidays, whether that's with chosen family, birth family, solo. I've spent, I've spent it doing all sorts of things. And, um, I kind of made a commitment to myself that I was going to use holidays for rest, joy, leisure, pleasure, and just not overthink it. So anyway, think about that. Um, all right, we got another DM. All right, sorry, here we go. Okay, 
This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, thank you for taking our questions and listening to them. I'm a single proud parent with two kids. Their father only sees them about once a month. Recently, I got them both iPhones so they could get a hold of me and selfishly track them because their father won't tell me where they go. He has a new girlfriend, won't give me their address. He found their phones, turns off the locations when he's with them. So I hit a tracking device in their backpack as we wait for the court date. Oh, I missed that part. Oh, you didn't even really mention that. Um, I just want to know they're safe. Am I being too crazy? Man, that's a hard one to weigh in on. Uh, there's a court date. I don't know what that's about. I'm assuming custody. I'd be concerned about someone turning off the share your location. It's kind of like that example where I always say couples shouldn't be going through each other's phones, right? That's a, that's a violation, um, a privacy violation and a really problematic boundary. You know, um, we want to be the people we trust. But then I say, if there's a reasonable... Uh, if there's a reasonable reason, if there's a, if there's something reasonable as to why you asked to see their phone, like, Hey honey, my phone is dead. Can I use yours? Um, so I can, you know, check something. The answer should be yes. And if the answer isn't, well, then I understand where people are like, well, wait a minute. Why in this reasonable moment, do you not feel safe with me on your phone? Like, what's that about? So I'm kind of saying you have an interesting case. If, it, if you said in general, Hey, just stick a tracker in my kid's backpack, you know, to just see where they always are. I'd be like, Oh, that's a little bit of an issue. Uh, tell me more about that. You know, what are we really worried about? It's a privacy violation. We need some boundaries. Do we not trust the kids? But now you're telling me some more backstory and there's a custody battle. So it might be reasonable. I don't, uh, I don't like that idea conceptually as a solution for anything, but I will also hold space for the idea that depending on what the particularities of the situation are, that that might make sense because you don't trust or feel safe. And some, there might be some backstory that you're not sharing with us that makes that more reasonable. So we'll hold space for the possibility that that might make some sense. I just don't want to give a blanket support to something like that, but I, I understand that there's probably more to it. If you all have a question for us, you can drop your questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Always anonymous, always confidential, helping others or helping yourself because someone else might be struggling or wondering the same thing too. So put those questions in the DMs. Also topics, things you want us to hit, circle back, drop deeper into. And past episodes of the show is always over at We Are Channel Q com scroll down look for love line and click on it you can binge post re-listen and share it's all about that repetition gotta unlearn so we can relearn otherwise y'all thanks for hanging out with me let me be a part of your journey y'all be kind to yourselves and those around you have a good night and enjoy the rest of your night good night everybody this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Thank <laughs> you.